to our lives. If you have your Bibles this morning, I turn your attention to the book of Luke chapter 2 and verse 11. Luke chapter 2 and verse 11 and reading down through verse 14. Verses 11 through 14 of Luke chapter 2. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want you to notice the contrast of verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. How many of you know there's a big difference between the highest and the earth? But I got a God that works in both galaxies. Amen. He, bo- he works in both atmospheres. He's glory to God in the highest and he's also peace and goodwill on earth. I want to speak this morning from this title. A star, a stable, and a savior. A star, a stable, and a savior. Under the reading of the word of God, everyone said in Jesus' name. name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Several different stories were happening simultaneously at the birth of Jesus. Matthew records that wise men came out of the east and followed a star. It brought them to Herod, who was the king of Israel, and Herod did not want any king to be born in the land that would receive worship. He didn't want any kind of a threat to his kingdom, Bethlehem included. So he instructed the wise men to find the baby, and when they would find the boy, to come back and to tell him. And of course, he developed a scheme that he wanted to too also worship this child, this baby king. But actually, he was planning on killing the child. Well, the wise men were warned of God in a dream, and that's the way God works. He's always ahead of what the enemy's trying to do. He warned these wise men who were from the east, and no doubt prominent men, in that fact, they even had an audience with the king of Israel, Herod. And so, when the Lord warned them through a dream, they just simply went back home. They didn't go back to the palace to report to Herod. After visiting with Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, they just returned back home. Well, Herod was upset when he learned of this, that, you know, these wise men did not, you know, participate in his grand scheme. And so he had all of the babies that were two years old or younger, all of them killed, every baby, two years old or younger. They were all killed in that whole area. And uh, this was something that he decided that he would do. But God was once again ahead of his evil plan. God had warned Joseph in a dream through angels that there was coming this danger. And so they had already left and gone to Egypt. And that's somehow God works. Folks, God can work in an adverse environment. With all kinds of hostility, God shines the brightest. I think that's something that's important to remember because life has a lot of unexpected turns in the road. Well, this, my friend, was actually the original Star Wars. 
He was not Han Solo or Darth Vader. He was not the Galactic Empire or the Rebel Alliance. It was Jesus, Joseph, Herod, and wise men from the east. Sort of a holy alliance and an evil empire. But one thing is clear. Jesus was born in the midst of danger, intrigue, fear, and uncertainty. Now at the same time that Matthew is focusing on the wise men and a star, Luke focuses on a stable and shepherds and a manger. And the fact that Mary and Joseph cannot find any place to stay in Bethlehem. They end up spending the night out in a stable with all the barnyard animals. The manger is a trough, literally, that's used to feed the animals. And it worked great as the first bassinet for Jesus. It was also a great picture of the contrast between angels singing in heaven, a Savior is born, shepherds in the field responding to this declaration, wise men following a star from the east, and yet the baby that they are all clamoring to visit is resting in a feeding trough for animals, and his parents have slept in the hay. Now, if that's not a contrast, I don't know what is. It's a I believe a great contrast because it demonstrates the nature of God. It demonstrates the two seemingly opposing forces of His nature. That is the majesty of God, which we sang about already this morning, and the humility of God. Last week we were driving to church in our car and all of a sudden my daughter announces from the back seat, God is pretty amazing. And we agreed, but we also inquired, how so? She said, he created his own parents. (laughs) We were like, yes. And we just sort of looked at each other, you know, and out of the mouth of babes. That's the awesome part, though, of the Christmas story. And the fundamental message of the Christmas story is that God would come to humanity, wrap himself in flesh, and be born in a manger. Not just to amuse himself or to test his creation, but he does it for one purpose, and that is to be a savior for all humanity. Now, if this message was a play or a drama, and it had three characters or three acts, then this would be the first character or the first act of this play. The first thing that I want to focus on today is the star. The star represents all of the hope that we have in our humanity. We are born with hope. It represents all of the dreams and the wonder. It depicts our nature to want to reach and to explore. Even as a child, we sing the little song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, How I Wonder What You Are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Those lyrics are from an early 19th century English poem by Jane Taylor called The Star. It transcends generations. It transcends cultures. It is common to all people to want to reach and to hope for the best. We're all born with a star in our spirit. It was the stars that called us to go literally where no man had gone before. To send men to the moon. It may have led wise men from the east. But it has been drawing men from the beginning of time, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and metaphorically. The star still draws us. It represents our hopes and our dreams. 
But it also sparks our imagination. The lessons of this past weekend as people camped down in front of theaters and waited 24 hours in advance for the doors to open so they could watch the latest installment of Star Wars. I couldn't help. In fact, the subtitle was The Force Awakens. I couldn't help. I wrote a blog, and, and if, you, if you go to the blog through the website, you maybe want to read it. But I couldn't help but see the contrast between that and what the Lord did. And so I wrote a blog called The Original Star, The Force Awakens. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. I'd like for the whole world to stand in line to hear about really what the true star is all about. But it reveals, I think, the, 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 the 21st century that we live in. It reveals that our imagination and our fascination with the heavens has not diminished. The stars are still in the sky and they're still in our minds. But more importantly, the star is still in the heavens and in our heart. And if you know Jesus, there's always a hope that tomorrow can be better than yesterday. So many people live discouraged and disheartened and feel like that there is no brightness. Uh, we use the, you know, the metaphor a lot, light at the end of a tunnel. But we, we live our lives feeling like there's nothing out there that's really worth striving for and obtaining. But I've come to tell somebody today that as long as Jesus Christ sits on the throne, and he has since the beginning and he will at the end, because if you don't believe that, just go ahead and read Revelation chapter 5. And you'll see who's sitting on the throne when this thing all wraps up. He was here at the beginning. He'll be here at the end. And as long as he is on the throne, there's going to be a light that shines that says God, hallelujah, can make a difference in your life. So the star represents our dreams and our hopes. But then the second character in this three-act play is the stable. The stable represents our reality. We love to experience dream. Whether it's through movies or sporting events or vacations, we enjoy the detour. But we always have to come back to our reality. We love the star, we reach for the star, but a lot of times we find ourselves in the stable. Everyone coming out of the theaters after watching Star Wars had to go get in their cars and start them up and deal with traffic. No doubt some of the vehicles did not start or someone had scratched the car while they were inside or someone hits your bumper in their rush to leave. Reality, my friend, is a rude awakening. People working in the theaters had to deal with spilt drinks and popcorn and floors that were sticky and candy on the seats. They were dealing with the stable. Life is messy, isn't it? We dream, we, we aspire, to, but then there's life and there's like, that all sounds great, but I got a whole bunch of stuff facing me right out the door. This, my friend, is the stable. In spite of the grand announcement from the heavens, in spite of the wise men bringing gifts from the east, in spite of visitors and the intrigue, the reality for Joseph and Mary is that there was no room in the inn. And they had to sleep in a stable of a lot of smells and a lot of uncomfortable environments. And the reality is that their baby was born at the worst possible moment think about it 
in all of the months leading up to this night where conditions were much more favorable. The baby could have been born. Joseph and Mary would have felt a lot better about their preparations that it had to happen on the very night that they were the most vulnerable. They had been traveling. How many of you know after you travel a long time and you arrive at the hotel or your relative's house or wherever and you get there, everybody wants to say hello and all you want to do is find a place to lay your head because you've been fighting and fussing with traffic and everything else. Well, here's Mary and Joseph. In the heavens, they have the stars, but on earth, they have stables. These moments are the moments that it appears like everything's falling apart. Less than desirable circumstances. Places in life where we wonder if Jesus has lost our zip code. Now, you may not have ever slept in a barnyard. You may not have ever slept in the hay. You may have not ever had a baby while sleeping outside. But... You have had places in your life where you wondered, where is God? Can I get a witness from somebody that knows what it is to be in a stable? Just when we don't think it can get any worse, we end up in a stable. I can just picture Mary less than thrilled about this trip to begin with. Great with child, uncomfortable in the best of circumstances. Much less on the back of a donkey. On a bumpy camel ride. (laughs) Now, I'm not a female and never planning on being one. (laughs) Just threw that in for what it was worth. I've never been pregnant. Don't ever plan on being pregnant. Just throw that in for what it's worth. But I can't imagine... Riding hundreds of miles on the back of a donkey. Nine months pregnant. The mothers in here ought to say hallelujah, if nothing else. And I'm sure she was a wonderful lady because God picked her, but she was still a human being. I have to believe that somewhere along the way, Mary said, Joseph, are we lost? And Joseph gets there, he's exhausted, and he goes from one end to the next, one end to the next, looking, looking. And there's nowhere, there's, everybody had come to Bethlehem, you had to go, Caesar Augustus had said, everybody's got to pay taxes, you've got to go to your homeland. It's a great census, it's a great time to figure out who everybody is, where they're from. So everybody that was from Bethlehem had to report back to Bethlehem. And so there was no room in the inns, all these people that were visiting from out of the town and out of the country. So they got there in the middle of all this, and, and I'm sure that Joseph looks back, every time he comes from an inn that says, no, there's no room, and he goes back to his wife who's great with child and sitting on a donkey and he looks at her face and the utter exhaustion that is on Mary's face the wise men are following a star the shepherds are watching an unusual formation in the sky as they prepare for the first presentation of the hallelujah chorus by heaven's choir and Mary would just like to find a place to lay her head ladies and gentlemen that's not a scenario that's strange for any of us. Maybe those specific facts are. But if you look at the principle underneath it all. We know God. We know there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We know that there is a God that cares about us. And he's directing our steps. But we still have to deal with our realities. This, my friend, is the contrast between the star and the stable. Our dreams and our reality. The gap between our hopes 
and our fears, our ambitions, and our setbacks. And can I add this today? It is not easily bridged. It is not easily bridged. The chasm between the star and the stable seems to get wider every day. As much as we try to traverse this great canyon, as it were, we can't do it on our own. The pieces don't seem to fit. It's not getting better. The gap is not closing. It's getting wider. And that leads us to the third act of this play. And that is, we have more than just a star and a stable. My friend, we have a Savior. Can I tell you today what the Savior specializes in? He specializes in bridging the gap between the star and the staple. That's literally what his birth is all about. It was God, the glory, the star, the majesty of God robing himself in flesh, being born in a manger, coming down to where we are, becoming a part of us so that we can become a part of him. It was this miracle of Christmas that bridged the gap and the divide between our hopes and our hurts is closed with a Savior. Everything that you dreamed of and longed for, it's all wrapped up in one single Savior. And my friend, his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. And when you and I come to the Lord and we give our hearts to God, the Savior of our soul, he does something that we can't do for ourselves. He not only forgives us of our sins, but he washes us as white as snow to remove the stain of sin. The forgiveness of our Creator alone is powerful, but the redemption that He gives us is something that only a Savior could do. To redeem is to return back. Back to that place that we were originally designed to be, in fellowship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I were designed to be in fellowship with God, and we were designed to live forever. But of course, you know from the Garden of Eden that sin changed all of that. But a Redeemer, a Savior, returns us back. Now, yes, there is a war. No, it's not going to be an easy process. But the real war is not in the stars. The real war is in the stable. It's dealing with the flesh. It's overcoming That message from the stable that we can handle this on our own. See, that's what the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to say, I'm in a mess, but I can take care of it. But a Savior says, reaches his hand out and says, Come all ye that labor and are heavy laden, that I will give you rest. That's the Christmas message. That's really the Christmas story in a nutshell. Even in the mess, we can be stubborn. But still the miracle beckons us it still calls us as crowds gathered around the upper room in jerusalem more than two thousand years ago they were amazed and astonished christ was pouring out christmas to 120 believers that had gathered in a small upper room in that downtown old jerusalem area the holy spirit was being born as it were in many mangers Humanity is receiving the comforter with the evidence of speaking in a heavenly language. 
The wonderful thing about Bethlehem is that it didn't stop in Bethlehem. It's a bountiful blessing that continues. And that every time that somebody receives the Spirit of God into their heart, once again, there is that miracle of life and birth. As it were, God depositing a part of His Spirit in His nature. The Bible describes it, Paul describes it in the New Testament, in earthen vessels. But this was it. This was the real Christmas. It started in Acts chapter 2. In the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the crowd was so intrigued as the gap between deity and humanity was being bridged that they inquired. And Peter used to preach to them in the book of Acts chapter 2 and chapter 1. And he tells them that this is the Holy Spirit that is the nature of God and that their Savior had come to earth, but they missed it and they messed it up. They missed it. And they messed it all up. But now he's saying there's a second chance. Now he was coming again in spirit form. And they were all under conviction because it's our human nature to aspire to be a part of what our Creator is doing in this world. They asked him, what must we do? And Peter said, you've got to repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Or the removal of your sins. And ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, every time somebody receives that Holy Ghost power, it's another celebration of the fact that God came near. God came close. The star rested over the state. And a Savior was born. You say, you're saying we're all gods? No, what I'm saying is that when the Holy Ghost comes inside of you, He gives you the ability to know that God is on your side. And not only is He on your side, but His Spirit is within you. That's why oftentimes in the New Testament, you'll see that this experience was described as being baptized with the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would move upon people, but this was different. This was taking up residence. And once you're full of the Spirit of God, you can find yourself in an environment and not even realize that anything is wrong with your own natural eye. But the Holy Ghost inside of it says, remove yourself from here. You need to go somewhere else. This is not good. Once again, that's that Spirit warning us to leave, to get out of Bethlehem because there's danger. Ladies and gentlemen, don't ever override that. That's the Holy Ghost leading us. The Bible says that that day, 3,000 were added to the church. And from that moment on, over 2,000 years later, here we sit, December 20th, 2015, at 1021 Emerson Drive on a Sunday morning at 5 minutes till 12. And ladies and gentlemen, the same Savior is still reaching out. Got his hand outstretched for every single individual. Crossing the divide between star and stable. Ladies and gentlemen, A Savior is born, but not just in a faraway place that maybe you've never visited, but right here today in this building. Why don't you let that Savior be born in your own heart? Would you stand to your feet this morning? The greatest gift, it's the greatest gift that has ever been given to humanity. And it is available to you today. So I'm going to open up this altar and I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you need prayer, if you need a healing, 
you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins. Or maybe you've never received this great gift, and this is the Christmas Sunday when you can receive from that great Savior. Maybe there's just some things you need God to do that will cross that bridge between the star and the stable. Ladies and gentlemen, our Savior, He stands before you today. Come on, you can come right now. People are already in the aisles. You can just step out from where you're standing right now and just come down to the front. The elders and ministers will anoint you with oil. We'll pray for you. If you need a healing in your body, ladies and gentlemen, we still believe that our Savior can heal anybody of anything at any moment. You said, I need God to come into my life today. I don't want to live not one more day without Him. Why don't you come down, stand at this altar, lift up your hands, and with your voice say, God, I'm ready to receive you into my life. That's it. Let God touch you right now from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. People are coming from all over. Come on, there's still room at the altar. Come on, just press your way down. Come down at this altar. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive that great gift. Come on, let the Savior be born in your life. All over the front right now, people are standing with hands raised up in the sky. I wonder right now with your own words, would you simply say, God, I've tried to do it on my own, but I need your help. Would you do that? Would you pray that prayer right now in the name of Jesus? I need your help, Lord. I can't do it on my own. 